Latter-day Saint Home Educators is pleased to bring you this audio presentation recorded live during the May 2023 Home Education Conference held in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, you all. Welcome. Um, I'm going to jump in fast uh, to get through this in 50 minutes. So I'm excited. I love to teach this workshop because I hope that it gives you some calm and excitement about the dating years with your kids. Usually I don't think we have a lot of calm and excitement when we think about these years. Um, but y'all, it can be so fun. And so um, we're just going to jump in. So I, it, it sounds like you all have heard kind of the same theme because I've listened in on several workshops over the last two days and I hear a lot of presenters kind of speaking about the same thing. So I'm really glad about that. I'm glad that I see the spirit motivating speakers and parents of, of the need to be more open with our children today. Um, and so we're going to face our fears and we're just going to start talking about it. So years ago when I was a young mom, there was this uh, woman in my ward and um, so she had five sons and you know you all we all know no one's perfect no one has a perfect family if we only knew what all families were going through but you know it was one of those families that I just those boys were good boys uh, they just were and I had three little boys and so I went up to her and I said sister seller so what like how did you do this how did you raise these boys um, and I was particularly interested in in it their, the appearance of them striving to, um, you know, just stay on the path, you know, and especially when it came to chastity and morality. And, and she says, well, Monica, you better get really, really comfortable talking about all those things, talking about the hard things. And we were in the uh, foyer uh, after church, and, and I go, well, what do you mean, like, what, what about those things? And, y'all, she just started spewing out the words that we don't like to say. And, in fact, I'm not going to say them right now. But, um, and I'm like, Sister Sellers, we're in the church. Like, what? And she's like, you better get comfortable because you got to be the one that goes to your son and says, well, you or your husband, you know, whichever one's more comfortable. Um, so have you been tempted with masturbation lately? Have you been tempted with pornography lately? Um, what are you feeling like you're tempted by? And she just started doing through all these things. And I mean, I started feeling, you know, myself sweat just thinking about it. Um, but, and I'm like, well, so what do you mean when you talk about, she goes, I mean, we're in the McDonald's drive-thru. And I'm like, so have you been tempted with da 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 or whatever? And I, and I just could not fathom it. You know, I couldn't <laughs> fathom just how I would bring that up and do that. But what I learned throughout the years is how important it was. Because what I learned is that most of our children, they just don't have the words. They don't, they don't have the words to come to mom or dad and go, you know, mom, uh, this week I feel like I'm, you know, I, I'm really tempting with being tempted by this. Or this week I've fallen into the trap of this. But yet, if I said, son, have you been struggling with this? It was so much easier for them to say yes versus coming up with the words. And so that's why as parents, we have to get really good at asking a lot of questions. Now, this is not a talk about chastity and morality, but it's related, of course. But we're going to talk about the funness of, of getting our kids um, to learn how to date. So one thing is that so uh, we're definitely hearing, and if you've been by my booth, we might have already talked a little bit about this, but what we're seeing uh, with all young people, not just LDS kids, but LDS kids too, is that they're not dating anymore, and they're putting it off really, um, they're putting it off, and that's what's making their age of getting married uh, becoming older as well. And so what we're seeing young people do both in high school and at college is this hanging out situation. And so the reason that we um, think that this is more dangerous than actually going out on official dates is because when there's a group of young people hanging out, no one is particularly responsible for any particular person. And you know, one thing I realized in raising my kids is that it was one level of parenting when I said, okay, this is not good for you to do, this can hurt you. 
But it was a whole other level of motivation for my children when I said, you're responsible to help your friends be safe. You're responsible for this young woman tonight to protect her spiritually, emotionally, and physically if you can, right? And so for them to take on the ownership of that responsibility um, help them, I think, to live better lives. Because you all, it's, our, it's a divine responsibility, right? It's, especially for boys, it's their divine nature to be the protector. That's why it feels good when they're living that role, because that's who they were created to be. It's the divine nature of women to also protect emotionally, spiritually. That's why it feels good when we're living that divine role. That's why it's important for our children to have some responsibility for one another. So whenever I'm in front of children and parents, but I always talk about the car, because the first thing I try to get young people to understand is why do my parents constantly ask me so many questions? And I feel like I'm being grilled every time, you know, I'm going out or blah, blah, blah. So I'll, I'll have, and this boys get a little more into this scenario than girls, but maybe you could come up with something that girls like better. But a lot of girls think about a nice car too. So I'll say, okay kids, what if, just let's dream a minute, and what if your parents bought you your dream car? And they all, you know, tell me what their dream car is. And you can have this conversation with your kids. Just what would it be if we wanted to do that? Of course, don't say, this is just a scenario. We're not going to do this. But <laughs> what would it be? And so then they come up with the car and they go, okay. Well, so you've got that car it's sitting in the driveway. Can you imagine? Picture it sitting in the driveway. What would it look like in the driveway? Oh, it would look good, Mom. It would look good, Dad. Okay, what color is it? And kind of go through just what it looks like. And then say, but um, you're not allowed to drive it to school yet because, you know, you, you're, you're 16 and you don't have a, a license to go by yourself yet, so you're going to leave it at home. Well, you go to school one day and you come home and your car's not in the driveway. And you think that's a little unusual. So you come in, your dad's sitting on the couch, you're like, hey, Dad, Dad, Dad where's my car? And your dad goes, uh, oh, well, you know that friend of yours, you know that kid you hang out with sometimes, got dark hair, he, he borrowed it. And your son's like, what do you, Dad, what do you mean? Like, who? What friend? He goes, honey, I don't know. You know that guy, that, that guy you're hanging out with. Dad, you don't even know his name? Oh, well, I mean, I've seen he's your friend. Surely you trust him. You hang out with him sometime. Well, where was he taking it? You know what? He didn't say. But he said he'd bring it back when he was done. You don't even know where he's taking it? Well, how long is he going to have it? You know what? He didn't say that either. I don't know. But, I mean, I'm sure he'll bring it back when he's done. Dad, you let someone take my car. You don't even know his name. You don't even know where he's taking it or when he's going to be back. <coughs> Dad, that doesn't make any sense. And as I sit and teach this, you know, go through the scenario with teenagers, I'll go and now think about it. When you take someone out on a date, a well-planned activity with someone of the opposite sex, that's the definition of a date, you are taking someone's most prized possession more valuable than any car. A car doesn't hold a candle to the value of this young woman or this young man. And that's why when your parents ask you questions, who are you going with? Where are you going? When are you going to be back? It's because of how much they love you. And so it helped my kids when I went through this scenario with them and helped them to understand why you know, we were so concerned with who they were with and, and where they were going. And so it helps for our kids to have a, a mental picture of this responsibility. So why do we want our kids to go on a date? So let me tell you what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is our kids having some practice before they leave home. Gratefully, in our church, you know, we kind of have this uh, culture that when our kids turn 16, many of us, uh, that we allow them to go on a double date, and then when they turn 17, they can go on a single date. I think that's a really great standard, uh, and I'm not saying you should do that, but, you know, I think that's a healthy standard. Um, we did do that in our home. But what was the most important thing to me is I wanted our kids to practice dating while me and their father could have dominion over them, 
while we could help them so they could practice and learn how to do it before they left home. Because you all ask anyone that you know that their kids go to BYU, BYUI, it doesn't matter where they go, what is the most common activity young people do at college? And it is going to each other's house to hang out and watch a movie because that's what they do. Hey, you want to come over and watch a movie tonight? You want to come over and stream tonight? Um, and there couldn't be anything more dangerous for two people who kind of like each other to do. But that's what they're doing because they don't know what else to do. And it's cheap or free, and so that's just the most common activity. And so we've got to do better. We've got to train our children how to date. And so that's why. So one of the reasons is we want our kids to learn how to be responsible. How do you literally learn to have to be responsible for someone else? What does it look like to be responsible for someone else? Um, we want to literally get our kids to try on personalities, to try on building friendships with other people. So um, I remember one time my son came home in high school from a date and he came in and he goes, Mom, I think I've learned that I don't like sarcasm. I go, oh really? He goes, well, you know, I've had friends uh, be sarcastic before, but after a couple of hours of sarcasm, it just kind of wore me out. And I go, okay, now you know. You know, sarcasm's not one of your favorite little humor things that you like. Um, and so it's about just trying on friendship. So when our kids were 16 and 17, we told them your only responsibility is to build friendships because you're not allowed to be in a committed relationship until you're old enough to get married. You all, too many LDS families are falling into this trap, this worldly trap, the trick of the adversary that having a boyfriend, a girlfriend, before you're old enough to get married is safe. And it's not safe. It's never safe. It doesn't matter how good the boy and how good the girl is. Because they're good kids. They're all good kids. But I get parents that are excited like their daughter is dating the good boy in the ward. And so you're kind of excited about that, but it's dangerous. And so what I tell children, I go, the reason it's dangerous to be in a committed relationship, and we have been counseled and our kids have been counseled over and over again that that is dangerous, is because of how Heavenly Father built us. He designed us to want intimacy. You all, because if we weren't designed that way, then how would we ever stay committed to our marriage? but we have this desire to want to be close to people emotionally, physically, and, and spiritually. And so I teach kids, I go, it's why that, you know, um, whenever you first touch someone else, you kind of like someone and you hold hands. Do you all remember the first time you held hands with someone? Was it exciting? Did you have that electricity go through your body? You did. It was exhilarating. I mean, just when you finally touched knuckles and were thinking about holding hands, it was so exciting. Well, then you hold hands for a while, right? And does it start to lose its, lose its excitement? I mean, I still love holding my husband's hands after 30 years, but I don't have electricity go through my body typically. That might disappoint him. Sorry, babe. Um, but, you know, so then we, we want more, right? And so then finally there's this decision that we're going to kiss. Do you remember your first kiss? Of course you do. Um, was it a long kiss or a short kiss? How many of you, if you're willing to admit it, had a really short kiss your first kiss? Because that's typical, you all. It's typically not like in the movies, right? Because you're so scared. It's just, okay, we did it. I think kissed. That was what my first kiss was like. And so that's the thing. And so, but that first kiss sends lightning through you, right? But then what do we want? We want more. Yeah, because you're built to want more. You've got to want more to be married and to have intimacy with your companion. Um, and so then the kiss becomes more, more and more intimate, more and more passionate, because that is how we're built. And so that's why it's dangerous for kids to be to have a boyfriend or girlfriend because the more time you spend together the more close you become and the more close you become you become more familiar you well, I'm gonna be honest with you and this isn't to judge anyone but even this weekend 
I have seen kids, teenagers in this hotel, I'm assuming they're LDS, very familiar with each other. I found two uh, as I was walking in the staircase, making out in the staircase. I'm sure you mothers didn't know it. And, uh, and then I found two on a couch, and just the way that they were touching each other, they were very familiar. Y'all, it's not to make you feel guilty, okay? They're human, right? But I'm just telling you, it is dangerous to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend because of what we want. So this is not about dating does not mean I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Dating means I go out with a young lady or a young man and we just, um, we have a well-planned activity to build friendships. So we're going to try on personalities, we're going to build friendships, um, we're going to build character through experiences. I always teach boys and girls, your job is to be a gentleman. Your job is to be a lady. Your job is to mentor the friendships that you have, even with those of the opposite sex. And so we want to improve communication skills. Um, and we're going to talk about this. We want to be an example of righteousness. We want to prevent the dangers of hanging out, of not being responsible for someone else. And we want to build parental trust and accountability. I'm going to give you all these slides at the end. So first, I want to talk about a gentleman's responsibility, and that is it's not just the boy's job to create the plan. It's, they can both do it, but we're just going to talk about it through this lens first. And so, y'all, so for us, what a date was was a well-planned activity, right? So that meant every minute of the date had to be planned. One reason that so many young people when they go to college or later are not going on dates is because they're worried about the awkwardness. First of all, they're worried about money. You know, they don't have the money to go out to dinner, to go to a movie. That's what they just think of a date. They don't know what else to do because no one's taught them how to date. And so then they're, they've got this burden of having to pay for the date. And then there's always the thing like, oh, what if we go to dinner? We don't have anything to talk about. So one thing that we can do as parents is we can help our children learn how to plan activities that, don't re that, that build communication just because of the activity. And so you can have so much fun with that. So let me give you some examples. So, and I have a little book that I give you over 20 different examples, but I'm gonna share some with you now. So one of our son's favorite dates was um, they love to take a young lady to, you know, have some, they usually love to do it in groups, but absolutely would do it by themselves. But they would invite a young lady to create a craft, some kind of craft that they were gonna drop off at a nursing home. And they always had this nursing home that they went to. So between him and the day, they would come up with whether they were gonna make felt flowers or uh, globes, you know, just some kind of craft and then they would come over to her house or our house and they would make the craft and so they were building something they were doing something and then they would take it to the nursing home and they would find someone who they wanted to give it to so they would go around the nursing home knock on a door and they didn't know anyone there and say hey would you like some company and then they would go in and uh, one one of the best skills that i ever taught our kids that you can teach your kids is to have them memorize three to five questions that they can ask anybody in the world that are open-ended questions. And they've got to be questions that like they um, are comfortable asking. <laughs> and y'all, this is a good skill for adults. I had a friend of mine that has high social anxiety called me a couple months ago because her son was getting married and she had so much anxiety about going to her own son's wedding because of talking to people. And so I had her memorize five questions that she could ask anyone, and it really helped calm her down. And so those questions could just be anything. You know, we don't, we don't go up to someone and say, do you have children? That's not a good question, right? Because what if they don't, or they never were able to, or they lost a child? So we try to go, you know, so tell, tell me about your family. Where do you come from? Um, and I mean, you can ask. It's not like it's rude to ask someone if they have children, but I just mean for your kids, um, let them come up with questions that they're comfortable that match their personality. But another fun day, one time, um, when, when the dates become the activity, 
That's why it was so fun for me, especially me. My husband wasn't that into planning these activities. I had the best time helping my kids plan dates because we would try to come up with really just very cheap, inexpensive, really fun activities. But my son came home and him and his best friend Jace like, Mom, me and Jace have this awesome idea. Uh, bless you. Because we want to do a bonfire and we're going to, anyway, I won't go into the details of the game they're going to play. He goes, but I need to know exactly how we're going to get from point A to point B. And so they were always trying to figure out the activity. One time, uh, four of the couples, that there was four couples, and they decided they were going to give each couple $10. That $10 was the maximum. And each couple was going to be in charge of, of a course, of a four-course meal. And so all four couples went to the grocery store together, and $10 was their max with tax. And so one couple had to buy the appetizer, the salad, the entree, and the dessert. And so they spent time in the grocery store figuring out what they could make for $10. And then they all came over to our house, and they all cooked their things and had this dinner. And it was like a three-hour you know, event. Um, and it was just so fun watching them, listening to them talk. Um, my one, my one son, the first time when he was turning 16, so he was going to be allowed to go on a double date, um, he came into, it was about, and he kind of had the girl, he knew what girl he was going to ask for his uh, first double date, and so he came into my room, he goes, hey mom, he goes, you know, I was thinking about who I was going to ask to go on this double date with me, and I don't trust any of my friends, so will you and dad be our double date? And I'm like, are you serious? Like, no, honey. <laughs> I mean, she would be horrified. He's like, Mom, I just, I just want this first one to go well, and my friends are crazy, and I don't trust them. And so after a while, you, me and my husband agreed, and I was like, well, that's just so weird. But so, yeah, but you know what I've learned, you all, is that when your kids don't have anything to hide, they don't have anything to hide. When things are... Um, when things are holy and righteous and good, then you can share it with anyone. And so as he started thinking about it, he wanted to make, really he was trying to make it special for himself because it was his first official date. And so, you know, we, we helped plan it and stuff, but he came in about a week before the date. He goes, okay, Mom, I need you to help me figure out something to do with bacon because I found out her favorite food is bacon. And I'm like, Okay, you know, so we're going on. But then he came up with the idea he was going to make her bacon roses. So the day of the date, he cooked all this, all this bacon, and then he curled it up into, you know, a petal, and then he had celery for the thing, and he had it on a plate. And so when he went to the door, he had this plate of bacon roses. It was pretty cute. So we have a lot of pictures of that first date, and then we went and watched at the old Tennessee Theater in downtown Knoxville, um, The Princess Bride, of course, was playing, so we went to this old theater, and you know, it was just such a fun experience, and they giggled the whole night, and, um, and it was just really fun. So part of this is, is helping your kids learn how to plan and have some creativity. Um, so. I'm just going to give you some rules that we used in our home for you to think about um, using in your home. So one rule is you could not ask any young lady out on a date without parental permission. And I realize many of you have daughters. We're going to get to the girl part in a minute. Um, and so our sons would have to call up the father or mother, preferably the father unless there wasn't one around, and say, you know, I would like to invite Sarah out just as friends. That's what they always said to go to this activity, this is what we're going to do, da, da 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 And if the dad said yes, then he would call Sarah. Sarah, you know, I'd love to take you out, da-da-da, just as friends, da-da-da-da. They would say that, you all. And the thing is, because, you know, in the public school arena, if some boy called up a girl and asked her out on a date, what would that mean? He likes, a boyfriend. Yeah, I've got a boyfriend. He likes me. He wants us to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And then if she found out he called someone else next week, he would be a player, right? Would not go well. So we're going to talk about how to help you with that in a second. So he's got to get parental permission, and then he's got to call the girl. There's no texting the girl to ask her out. He's got to call her or ask her in person. Why? Because we're trying to get our kids to learn how to communicate. Um, and what girls don't always realize is, is what a young man puts on the line when he has to call someone to ask on a date. You know, and I think that's where we need to have those conversations with our girls. Like, it is a big deal even to ask you to prom, to ask you to dance with me. 
because you can be rejected. And so we have to teach our young ladies how to respectfully appreciate whatever boy just came and asked you to do anything. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. So then there's the pickup. So our rule was that um, during the pickup is definitely if they had never physically met the parents before, they had to physically meet the parents. Of course, most of the girls that our boys took out were uh, in the church, right? Uh, our son uh, took out was in the church. But um, so we knew everyone. We knew everyone's parents. But occasionally, one time my son came home and said, Hey, mom, um, I want to take this girl out that goes to co op with me. She wasn't a member of the church. And, you know, I didn't care. Um, and I'm like, Okay, well, same rules apply. Well, so he goes to pick her up. And he had talked to her father, but he hadn't physically met him. Well, so he goes to pick her up, and she answers the door, and she's like, Oh, hey. She goes, My parent. Uh, and I'm ready to go and he's like oh well hey it's my family rule I need to actually meet your mom or dad can I say hi to them before we leave she's like oh they're not here and they had a, something to go to so he's like well would you hold on one second let me text so he texted me and he's like mom her parents are not here what do you want me to do and I just hadn't even thought about that right I'm like oh just go honey uh, you know of course you're not going to embarrass her but I'm like oh it's fine just go um, but what was so funny is when he got home that night from this date and here this is my 17-year-old, and he comes and he's like, Mom, what father would let their daughter go with some kid he never met? Because that was such in his brain. Like, why you would never do that? He just could not believe the audacity of this man to let his daughter go. And so, but that was the rule. It was the pickup. Now, then there's the execution of the plan. And so this is really important. So we encouraged our kids uh, to go on dates between the hours of 5 to 9 not seven to ten you know i just the earlier it's just better y'all it's just better okay um nothing good happens after dark no but it's just easier and it's just safer and honestly i always told my kids i'm like y'all it's not that i don't trust you at 10 o'clock at night i don't trust all those drunk people driving around and i don't even like to be out on the road past a certain time because i know if there were lights as we pass their cars everyone that was under some influence you would be shocked right how many so anyway but so the execution of the plan is that you have got to execute the plan, uh, meaning like um, we had several rules, and I know it's crazy when when it, you talk about these rules, but y'all, what helped about having a lot of rules is it just, and of course your child can can decide not to follow the rules, right? I'm not trying to act naive and act like that doesn't happen, but what I found is that these rules. Um, were appreciated and it actually saved a lot it saved our son from having a lot of issues and he appreciated them like um, they were not allowed to sit alone in a car with a girl that was just the rule um, you can't be in a car alone unless just to go pick her up and to trans you know just to transfer her to wherever they're going but there wasn't hanging out in the car one time uh, our son had taken a young lady to a play and I get a text and he's like, Mom, Dad, um, it's pouring rain. I forgot the umbrella. Is it okay if we sit here and just see if it slows down before we run in? So we always said if there's any change in the plan, if there's any exception to the rule, you've got to ask permission. And so it just kept everyone kind of checking in and making sure that the plan was working. Another thing is if anything caused an issue with the plan that he had to, our son had to call both parents. So like, I even think it was the same night, this play, because it was in a town about 20 minutes away from our town, and they went to this play, and my son just really failed to kind of look and see how long the play was, and all of a sudden, it was extra long, and so intermission was, when, by the time intermission came, and he would drive home, you know, they had already told both of us that they would be home. And so he texted us first and asked what he should do, if it was okay if they watched the second half. We gave him permission, but then he had to, he, not she, had to text her father or call, whatever, and ask and tell him about the situation. And so that's what it means to execute the plan. Um, of course, all of these things are a part of safety. Um, let me talk about curfew. So. I mean, everyone has their own things. There's, there's no wrong or right ways with this. It's just kind of what works for your family. For us, we, we really never had a curfew with our kids. We just didn't need to. 
But um, in fact, sometimes my kids would come home and I'd be like, why are you home so early? Go, be a teenager. Um, but um, one thing that we did is we, when our sons took a young girl home, this was a huge blessing that I don't even know how we came up with this idea, but it was a good thing that God gave it to us is that when they took a young girl home from an activity, they were not allowed to drop the girl off at the door because we just wanted to take that whole door scene away. You know, the should I hug her, shake her hand, kiss her, whatever. You know, we didn't want physical affection. So they had to physically walk that young lady into her home and physically hand her, preferably to her father. Why? And, and our son would tell the parents when they left, you know, when, I, when we come back, and he would just always blame it on us. It's our family rule that I'll return her physically to you, so we'll come in and we'll tell you about our night. First of all, I wanted to take out the door scene, but really more importantly is I wanted our sons to have to look that father in the eye and account for their evening together. And I thought it was important. What I didn't realize would happen is how much those other parents appreciated it and how much it built the relationships between um, our son and the other parents because I can't tell you how many times either at church or after a date I'd get this text or, or a, a, some kind of question going okay how do we arrange the marriage what do we got to do <laughs> but it's just because of the difference you know of having those little things that helped everyone know what intentions were and so of course we're gonna remain honorable the thing is you all is that I always taught our kids that to be honorable, you have to do honorable things. And honorable things always require some level of sacrifice, 100% of the time. And so there's some sacrifice involved, but what happens is we need our kids to stand a little taller, y'all, because it's good for them. It helps them want to be good when they feel like they're an honorable person. When we have self-loathing, when we feel like we're already wretched, when we feel like we've already just made so many mistakes and we start having the sh feelings of shame, it actually, I believe, makes us more susceptible to further sin because we start playing that thing in our head, well, I've already done this, this, and this. What does it matter if I do this or this? So let's talk about, I'm going to have to go a little faster just because of time. So of course we're going to teach our ladies how to accept or reject the invitation. And y'all, yes, you know, in a perfect world, I wish that girls did not have to ask boys out on a date. And if more parents taught their boys how to date, your girls wouldn't have to take some initiative. But we're just, we're here where we are, right? And so, yes, of course, I think it's okay that your girls ask out. I wish they didn't have to. I think it's more appropriate if girls don't. But it's just where we're at. Some of them, and depending on where you live, they're never going to go anywhere unless they kind of do a little um, jarring. But we're going to talk about how to help you with that. But number one, the biggest thing I, I try to teach young women when I'm with them, and I'm like, you all, don't ever disrespect a young boy. Like, say the boy that you would least like to dance with or least like to go on a date with comes and asks you and you just can't bring yourself to say yes. That's fine. You don't ever have to feel like you need to go when you don't really want to go. That's important that we teach our kids, especially our girls, to say thank you but no thank you. But you're not going to then go over to your friends and go, oh you guys, you're never going to believe who just asked me to dance. I can't think of anything more cruel. And so you've got to talk to your girls about respecting the sacrifice it takes for any young man to put himself out there and ask. I mean, you've got to give him credit for asking. And so we really want to teach our ladies how to be a graceful lady. Um, our young women have to understand the plan, exactly what are we going to do, and they can help. You know, it's fine. You know, sometimes, so one of our rules also was that our um, boys could not go out with the same girl twice in a row. Why? just to cut down on exclusivity. So my one son that really had his eyes on a certain young girl at church, he went on a lot of dates. That was the most date boy around because he was always trying to get back out with so-and-so. <laughs> and I made the rule, we had to live with it, right? But you know, he went on a lot of dates. 
But um, so that helps. So it's, it's okay sometimes, you know, the boys can call a girl and say, okay, I kind of want to do this, but do you have any ideas on how we can make this more fun and things like that. Of course, a young lady is always going to offer help to help the plan. Um, and so a lot of times uh, we absolutely use the girls uh, to help us. The dressing for respect, of course that applies to boys too, you all. And what I'll just say about this, I know that even in the church, our young women don't like to hear about modesty and all that stuff. But one thing, you all, is number one, is to teach our children that the way we dress, it just sends a message to people about how we feel about ourselves. Whether you like it or not, that's what it does. It, ha it sends a message of how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about who we're with, and what our expectations are. And that is just a fact. Now, there's going to be people that's going to argue that. But the truth is, it sends a message about how we feel about ourselves. And so, if I'm a true lady, then I don't dress in a way that sends a message to everyone in the room that I want everyone's eyes on me. Because I want my focus to be on those I'm with, not just me. Most young girls won't admit that they're trying to send a message and I'm trying to make everyone just look here. And I think when we talk about it kind of through that lens, it sometimes goes down a little smoother than talking about modesty. There's nothing wrong with talking about modesty. I'm so grateful we do have for the strength of youth to help us with things like that too. Um, but uh, the other thing that I'll just add is I, I think we should talk about this when our girls are three years old and four years old and six years old. But it's, I see young girls, even at church, I mean, sometimes when they come into the building, y'all, it's not about judging and thinking they're bad, but I'm just like, parents, you're making this harder on yourselves. Like you let your girls wear little shorts and little, you know, little outfits that you probably don't want them to have on when they're 17 but then you let them wear it when they're nine. I'm just telling you, it's not that I think it's just not appropriate, you're just making it harder on yourself. Because how are you ever gonna transition? Like what, now you've got boobs and you can't wear that shirt? It's ridiculous to think like that, y'all. And so you, you gotta kinda, while they're being raised, help them understand the sacredness of their body. And just, you can call it dressing respectfully. And, and so I'm just telling you that just to make it easier on yourself. Um, one of my friends who's not a member of the church, her son took a young girl out to the prom and you know, proms just are just a, sometimes a nightmare, but the money and everything. And you know, it's a lot of money, especially at a public school, you know? And so the tuxedo, the dinner, the, you know, all the stuff. Um, and literally, as she said when they got, and they were just friends, but when they got to the prom, his date said, oh, I see some of my friends, I'm gonna go say hello to them. You know, why she wouldn't go, oh, I see some of my friends, come on, let me go introduce you to them, or let's go see them. So she left him and was over there with her friends for over an hour before she came back. And of course, he felt awkward, didn't know, just kinda hung out and found someone else to talk to. And then even after the date, after the prom, she did not thank him when, uh, he dropped her off. And I'm like, oh, we got to do better than that, right? We've got to teach our young people how to show grace and be respectful. Um, and, um, and this also, even after our, I mean, this goes for boys and girls, you all, but after our children go out on a date with someone, they should only speak highly of that person to their friends, regardless of how the date went. I mean, we've got to help our young ladies and young men, but young girls are the worst about this, about just calling up their friends and talking about how awkward it is and how he smelled bad or whatever it was. Um, and we've just got to teach our girls how to show grace and be respectful. So I'm going to talk really quick about physical affection. So how many of you were in my, oh, 10 minutes, Whoa, we're in trouble. How many of you were in my physical, my discipline class the other day? All right, so I'm not going to share that story. So what I'll say, you all, is just that um, I'll show, share one part of it. Because um, when we talk about physical affection with our kids, so you know how we were talking about holding hands. Uh, you would agree. It doesn't say anywhere in the scriptures, thou shalt not hold hands, right? 
it's not a sin to hold hands. It's not a sin to kiss. But what we know about how Heavenly Father created us is that we are created to want intimacy. And so how I would approach this with my children is I would say, you're not allowed to be in a committed relationship until you're old enough to get married. For, so for our boys, that means after your mission. And for girls, it means at least 18, right? And so because you're not allowed to be in a committed relationship, you, you, know, we, you shouldn't really be doing things that only happen in committed relationships. We don't just hold hands with everyone. If my son is holding hands with a girl on Monday and then he starts holding hands with a different girl on Friday and the Monday girl sees the Friday girl, is she going to be mad? Mm -hmm. Of course she is. Well, why? I mean, holding hands doesn't mean I'm getting married. No, but it's some level of commitment. And so as you help your kids understand, that's the problem with holding hands. That's the problem with hugging. That's the problem with kissing is that it shows a commitment of some level. And then our human nature is that we want a little more and a little more. Um, and that's why one of the reasons it's so dangerous to let our kids have a boyfriend or girlfriend before they're old enough to get married. And so I'd like to talk about that more, but I'm not going to. I'm going to throw these all up. Um, so first of all, safety-wise, we're going to decide before our date what our standards are long before we ever go on a date. So a lot of times parents come to my booth and they'll, they'll see my dating book and they'll go, oh, you know, my kids aren't ready for that. Well, how old are your kids? They're 11. They're ready. Y'all, we wait too long. We wait too long to implement our rules. You really, your kids, you got to start talking about this plan, how this is going to look in your home when they're five, six, seven years old because it shapes the conversation as they grow. Because if we just wait, oh, my, my, my son shows no interest in girls. Well, don't wait till he has a crush on someone and then he comes to you and he's wanting to hang out with you and you're going, oh, no, we don't allow that. Oh, no, then you've got conflict. And so you want to talk about these things long before there's an interest so they know what the expectations are. A friend of mine in the church who's older than I, she raised her six kids. She said one of the prophets, maybe in the 70s, said you have to start at least five years before whatever the concern is. Alcohol, at least. Now at I'd least. say it might be longer. Like the porn thing, they say start when they're three. Yeah, at least five years. That was a prophet in the 70s. I don't yeah, know which one. I agree. And, and because, well, pornography, right now the average age of a child being introduced to pornography is age 10. You know, that's, that's the average age. And I'm sure it's going to get younger here real soon. Of course, we're going to pray before every day. We're going to avoid being alone, like in the car, like in a room. I remember, uh, so I was uh, helping the youth one time. We were coming up with this play. And so I had a young man and a young woman in a room, and we were working on this play. And I broke the pencil, and I go, oh, I'll be right back. And so I, I walked out of the room, and that young man popped up and followed me right out. And I was like, Barrett, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I, you know, I don't, I'm not alone in a room with a young lady. That's our family rule. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I wasn't thinking. I just started to jump out and leave them. And I thought, good job, Mom and Dad. I mean, how brilliant. That's so good. And he was so committed of living that family rule. Um, avoid sitting in cars. I mean, I know sometimes that's the thing. People sometimes giggle at this stuff, and they're like, really, do you have to say it? Say it. Say it, because then your children have to decide whether to be obedient or disobedient. And they'll decide, y'all, but it's their decision, right? But say it. Start the date early, uh, end it early. Um, I, I love... When I teach my gentleman class what it means to be a gentleman, I always teach young boys, you're one of your main responsibilities as a gentleman, there's others, but one of your main ones is to protect the reputation of the girl or girls that you're with. So like if my son knew that skill, and let's say my son Sawyer is really good friends with Sarah, and they're going to just work on some youth project after school today. And they're just friends. Well, Sawyer goes to Sarah's house, knocks on the door. Sarah opens the door. It's like, oh, hey, Sawyer, come on in. Mom had to run to the store, but she said you could come in. Excuse me. She, you could come in and we could get started. If Sawyer knew his responsibility, not just for a date, but for all girls he's around, 
he would know that he cannot go in. Not because of what they might do because they're alone, but because by walking into her home without a parent present could put her reputation at risk. And as a gentleman, he would never do that. It helped so much as I taught those skills um, so much to my boys because boys want to be that guy. All your sons want to be that guy that protects and, it, and it's another deeper motivation for them to be good. Thank you. Um, so we are going to protect the reputation we're with. Peace comes when we have a clear, clean conscience. Um, I had one of my, one of my sons, uh, really his best friend's mom, wrote me a letter once. This was after they both had left on missions. And she says, I just want you to know how much you know, I appreciated your son um, because I think without him, my son would have never made it. But your son always was protecting. And and it's true, This his best friend was a stinker and would do things. And he'd come home and go, Mom, I'm going to kill him. What is he thinking? Um, and, you know, he would drag him out of situations, uh, sometimes kicking and screaming. But um, the thing is, is I think as my son felt responsible, not just for the hers, but the his in his life, I think it helped my son protect himself. You know, because when your focus is on others, you kind of forget about yourself, but you're the one that ends up being safe too, because you're trying to protect people. I do think that we can also take that too far though. Mm -hmm. I had um, a friend who was very much a stinker. Mm -hmm. She was very much a stinker. And one time when she and I were going out, I was trying to tell her dad where we were going, and he said, oh, Laura, you don't have to tell me, because I know that as long as she's with you, she'll be fine. Oh, yeah, no. And I felt, I'm like, wait, so you're saying that if she does anything wrong, it's my fault? Yeah, That's yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah, And so I, I hear think you. it's also important that we teach our children that you can also remove yourself, you know? Absolutely. And amen and amen, right? <laughs> amen. That's really important. I'm gonna stop just because we're out of time. I got two okay. minutes left. You're good. So um, I do wanna give you some, so this is, there's a couple of things you all. If you go to my website, theetiquettefactory.com and hit contact me, that's me, that's my email. You can say, Monica, will you send me the link to the YouTube presentation of dating? Just say, send me the dating link because it's a little slower. I think it's an hour and 10 minutes, so I slow down and go through the things that I've had to miss today and skipped over, uh, if you want it. Um, I also have a book at my booth here that goes into greater detail. In the book, we, I go over 20 different safe date ideas, and I kind of go over everything we talked about just a little slower. Um, but, so with that said, y'all, I didn't tell you everything, but do I have? Do you have any questions that I could answer in the last minute or so? Um, Where do we find your email address? If you go to the Etiquette Factory oh, okay. and just hit Contact Me. So one thing, oh, one last, oh, hold on one second. One last thing I did want to tell you. So I get so many families that come to this workshop and they go, okay, well, I would like to do something like this with my kids, but, but you need a group of kids, right? You all, let me send you the link, but present this to your youth group. Y'all, I go, I did a big statewide event at our, in our stake, and I tied it in with all of the prophetic counsel too. Like everything I just went through, I had a prophetic counsel to tie in with it. And I had all the stake parents and all the stake youth there, and it helped so much because we had our whole youth group at our ward were dedicated to this. And so me and the other parents, you know, I'd get a call from my mom and go, hey, Monica, my daughter hasn't been asked out in the last two months. And it'd be like, on it. And all I'd have to say is say, Sawyer. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, because they all knew that we were just going out as friends. And so honestly, they, for the most part, did not care who it was. They all knew they couldn't take the same girl out twice in a row. And so all the moms were and dads were all on board about these activities. So or present it to your ward. And so I can give you the link to me presenting it. Not that I want to present it to your ward, but so that you can present it to your ward. I can give you the slides and I can help you if you want. Now I saw a question back there and I'll you have a lot of
Yeah. To then talk with the parents too? Yeah. I'm sure that would make them like completely overwhelmed and not even interested in me. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not saying that it, it would be easy. But um, kids that have social anxiety, y'all, I know it's a real thing. Like, I know it's a real thing, okay? But there are so many things we can do. Meaning, we start when they're three years old and four years old. Stop ordering for them at the restaurant. I was at the restaurant with my granddaughter the other day who's so shy around people. And I said, Mia, you've got to order for yourself. She's four. Grandma, I don't want to. You say it. You say it. I go, honey, Grandma's not going to say it. I'm going to order. I know you're hungry. And you're going to be really hungry watching Grandma eat. And y'all, would I have eaten in front of her and let her not order? I would have. Y'all, I would have. You need to know me. I would have. I have. Because, but did she order? She did, because she was hungry. And I know there's, I know there's exceptions. I'm not saying that there's not. But it's like, you've got to start really young. You've got to help your kids. You go ask for where the restroom is. You go ask your directions. And then have your child with social anxiety memorize the five things I can ask the parent if I'm standing there. But what happened, because these dates were innocent, you know, they had a lot to talk about when they got back. Oh, we did this, and we did this, and this is how it went. And so it's not like they need to stay there for 15 minutes. They just kind of report, return and report that concept, and that's what they did. So I would help that those children memorize, practice, start making them talk more now, um, young. And that's kind of a whole nother workshop, but... You can do a lot, yes. I was just going to say, and those with social anxiety, I have a couple of kids with that. It's really hard at first, but what a boost of self-confidence oh. when they've done it just that first time. Even if it's just a little bit, that eye contact, you know, or that speaking to somebody, and they did it. They came out on top. They just give them respect and return. It's like, I did that. Yeah. I can do it. So next time it's a little bit more and a little bit more to my daughter who has debilitating social anxiety. She's just like, oh, I'm so tired of these guys asking me out. Everybody wants to go with me because she will talk to them. Yeah. She will make eye contact with them. She's learned how to do that. It's been really hard to get herself there. They can. But she's just really, it's, it's yeah. good for her. And the thing is, even kids without social anxiety, y'all, kids don't do this anymore. Kids don't communicate. So your kid that tries just a little, people are going to be like, whoa, just like your daughter. Who are you? You are amazing. And they get so much feedback because kids don't do this anymore. I want to tell you, um, that Get Factory booth is only going to be here till about 1 today, so just FYI. But, y'all, we do have a curriculum that helps your kids learn social skills. So if you want to come see what they are, come see me. Have a great day. Latter-day Saint Home Educators is a nonprofit, all-volunteer organization dedicated to providing inspiration to homeschool families. We hope you enjoyed this recording. If you are interested in listening to more recordings or would like to participate in a future conference, please visit our website at ldshe.org.